0: i to have with us uh, Dr. Betty Dong, who's Professor of Clinical Pharmacology at uh, uh, the San Francisco, UC San Francisco School of Pharmacy. Um, as we all know, there are multiple new drugs that we have available for treating our HIV patients and their complications. And as polypharmacy becomes a bigger issue, obviously we need to know about drug interactions. So uh, Betty's here to help address some of those issues.
1: Thank you, Ron. Ooh, loud. Uh, Good afternoon. Um, It's my pleasure to be here. And I have the envious task of talking about drug interactions pre-lunch. So... um, I'm gonna, it is my job to try to give you in the next 30 minutes an overview of some of the clinical drug interactions that, I, that we've seen mostly in clinic, however I'm just going to say to start off with to disqualify that I'm going to cover everything. And I'm just going to say I don't know everything, <laughs> so I'll try to give you some um, outline of how to go through this. So I'm going to start. And this is my disclosure. These are my learning objectives. And I am going to try to uh, review some of the selected ART interactions with a whole host of medications and try to really focus on some of the newer antiretrovirals when we're talking about drug interactions. So I need your help on this to see how we can proceed. So which of the following is most correct in your practice? regarding management of potential drug interactions and antiretrovirals. Uh, One, I always check for drug interactions. Two, it depends on the art regimen. Oh, there should have been three. I wait for pharmacy to call me. I don't believe most are significant, or what some of the docs say in my clinic, my eyes glaze over when discussing drug interactions or something else. So somehow three got, or that's okay, forget Uh, the wait for a pharmacy to call me. So if you could answer those, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Wow, you guys are impressive. 56% of you check for drug interaction. And nobody said my eyes glaze over, so I'm going to have to tell our clinicians in our clinic. And uh, some of you said something else, and I'm I'm not sure what that means, but... uh, And some of you uh, said you will wait for the pharmacy to call me. Okay. And I don't have a question on the next one, but how many here feel pretty comfortable with the PK um, interactions and the idea of uh, substrates and uh, metabolism and induction? Can you just kind of raise your hand and give me a sense of that? How many people feel pretty comfortable about that? (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) Sorry. So let me just give you a little bit of a primer. And this is very simplistic, but for the information that's going to uh, proceed, I need you to sort of understand the concepts of substrates, inhibitors, and induction. And so a substrate very easily is a drug that's metabolized under the liver, usually under the 3A4. And some of these include the protease inhibitors, the non-nukes, and Meraviroc, uh, and statins, et cetera. But besides the 3A4 isoforms, we also have to deal with the other isoforms such as 2C9, 2C19, 2B6, and actually uh, transferase, which is how atazanavir gets uh, metabolized a lot. So it makes it much more complex. Very easily an inhibitor is something that increases the substrate and can actually increase effectiveness or even toxicity. And this has a very quick onset. So usually if this intera- interaction occurs, it happens within one or two days and actually resolves just as quickly. For induction, of course, if you have an inducer, it will decrease the level of the substrate and can lead to virologic failure or reduce efficacy. And in this interaction, it's a much slower onset and resolution so that we will not see induction interactions for at least a week to up to two weeks because you actually have to... uh, Uh, make the protein that causes the uh, induction. So this is a much slower delayed drug interaction. And the other terms that we're gonna talk about is area under the curve, which is the amount of drug exposure as well as the semen or trough, which is usually synonymous with uh, antiretroviral efficacy. Now having said that, the FDA has some ideas for what's considered a significant increase in AUC. So a strong uh, uh, increase in AUC that's more than 80% is considered a strong increase, and a moderate increase is anywhere from 50 to 80% uh, changes in AUC. One of the questions I've always gotten is, What is considered a significant change in the trough level? And this is a difficult question to answer, depending on whether the patient is treatment experience or naive. But generally, if there is a change in CP, min, or trough of about 30%, I would consider this has a red flag and and should cause you some pause for concern. Now, there is increasing recognition about p-glycoprotein and for those of you who are not familiar with this, this is an efflux pump that actually pumps drugs such as antiretrovirals out of cells. And p-glycoprotein is present in intestinal cells, in renal cells, in the brain, in the testes, so th- all throughout the body, and can actually reduce the levels of antiretrovirals that you see. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of the clarification on what PGP interactions mean, except that most of the PGP interactions tend to overlap with uh, 3A4 interactions. So as you can see here, some of the inducers and inhibitors of PGP are the same that we see with 3A4 inhibitors and induction. And at this time, we tend to think of 3A4 inhibition and induction has been the predominant since we're not able at this point to distinguish between PGP and um, 3A4 interactions. But you can see for those interactions that have both PGP and 3A4 that the interactions might be more impressive. Okay, having said that, uh, this is a chart that I sort of made up to try to put in my mind some of the clarifications. And it's not at all complete, but you can see that we would think about protease inhibitors and NNRTIs having, having high interaction potential because they are substrates, inhibitors, and inducers. and. Um, and uh, maraviroc and repervirine having moderate interactions because both of these are substrates, 3A4 substrates, and I've put on this chart both cefavir and tilapavir being also high because they are both inhibitors and substrates of 3A4. And lower on the interaction is rotegavir, which is an integrase inhibitor that has very few interactions, and nucleosides have interactions, but most of those are not by 3A4. So having said that, we're going to go through some cases. Um, And so this first case is a very typical case of an HIV-positive male who wants to start antiretroviral therapy if the pill burden is low. So we're really focusing on once-a-day therapy, his current CD4 count is in the 400 range with a HIV viral load of 65,000. His baseline genotype shows a pan-sensitive virus and his primary care provider is considering either a alfavirins, riprivirine, or an l vitegavir based base regimen in conjunction with tenofovir and m His past medical history is significant for hypertension He's on metope and amalodipine. He's got some depression. He's on sertraline. He's got dyslipidemia on Simba, 40 milligrams a day. He's got some GERD on omiprazole and antacids. And he's on methadone maintenance at 80 milligrams a day. So could you please uh, tab in your correct responses here? Which of the following should be anticipated to occur if a efavirenz-based regimen is added to his regimen? Will we be concerned about increased risk of rhabdo with statins, lower levels of sertraline, reduced absorption, uh, bradycardia from the metoprolol, hypotension from amylodipine, or methadone QT prolongation? These are all very plausible. I know that you guys have all seen this in your patient population. OK, we have a wide variety of responses here. Uh, but overall, the majority of you, which is maybe not, maybe not the majority, <laughs> uh, 24% of you absolutely got the right answer with lower levels of sertraly. And this was almost a little bit of a trick question, because everybody thinks of rhabdo and statins, etc. But if we think about efforants, here, even though efavirenz is a mixed inhibitor and inducer, generally the induction properties predominate. And the induction really is 3A4 and 2B6. So if we go back to the questions, all of them actually asked about increased levels of drug. And in in general, when we think about efavirenz, we think about reduction of most agents. Um, the only time where you might see where inhibition from efavirenz predominates is with the benzos. So triaz- triazolam and midazolone are contraindicated with efavirenz due to its inhibitory effects. But otherwise, everything is really induction when we think of the interaction. So that's the best answer there, lower levels of sertraline. And on this chart, I'm not gonna go through all the specifics here, but I think you can see in the yellow that antidepressants in our man who's on sertraline, the levels go down, as well has calcium channel blockers, statins actually go down, and of course, methadone, for anybody who's seeing patients on methadone, is an absolute uh, significant drug interaction so that when we start the Favarance-based regimens, in our patient on methadones, we empirically increase the dose of methadone by 30 or 40 percent because withdrawal is just so predicted to occur. Okay, so let's say that you decide that you're going to not give him a foverance and you're going to start with a uh, Cobis-Cystat, L-vitegravir, emtricitabine m regimen. So, which of the following would you expect to occur if? Uh, Stribed was actually added to his regiment. So change Simba to low-dose atorvastatin, change Omiprazole to famotidine, increase sertuline, increase methadone, or increase metoprolol. Please put in your responses here. <coughs> Okay, um, again there's a variety of responses although nobody picked metoprolol. So I am going to uh, tell you that actually the best answer is to change Simvastan to low-dose atorvastatin. So all of you who were concerned about rhabdo, this is the time that this answer is most correct and almost half of you got this. So one of the things about this uh, medication... <clears throat> Sorry, I have a little bit of cold, so bear with me. Uh, which is L-vitegavir-cobacistat, um, basically is a very complex drug interaction to predict. And there are a number of reasons for this. The first here is starting from the easy ones, is both l and cobacistat are 3A4 substrates. Okay. In addition, l is a 2C9 inducer. And it seems to be the most p- predominant problem here, which has a number of drug interactions that may not be clarified, uh, uh, totally clarified. It is a 3A4 inhibitor, but it's also a 2D6 inhibitor. And most of our antidepressants and psych meds are metabolized by 2D6. And, and if, if some of you are treating pain, Remember that codeine gets metabolized to the active moiety for pain control via 2D6. And there are some patients that have polymorphic um, 2D6 and may not have active codeine levels. And in in this case, because this is a 2D6 inhibitor, I might predict that codeine would not work as well in your pain patients. But that's really conjecture on my part. And So because of these complex interactions, and you will also note that cobicistat is also a p-glycoprotein inhibitor, it also inhibits a number of these different renal transports of which we don't have a lot of interactions. But you can see the complexity of this drug interaction profile. So we don't know all the, the limitations. But I would say that whenever you're using this drug, you should think of it as a protease inhibitor, because a lot of the interactions are very similar. For instance, if we look at the contraindications, most of these contraindications um, are those that you see from protease inhibitors, Simvastatin and lovastatin are contraindicated you can use low levels of atorvastatin and rosuvastatin with this agent, much like you can use with protease inhibitors. So I want you, if, if you can't remember, and I don't expect you to remember all the interactions, when you see this cobasistat and l you should think drug interactions very similar to protease inhibitor. And on this list you see very similar drug interactions and contraindications that we see with protease inhibitors, including herbals, um, inducers like rifampin and rifabutin, and also uh, enzyme like uh, sildenafil and erectile hypnotics. So very similar to protease inhibitors. I'm going through some select uh, interactions. Now, having said that, these are very similar to protease inhibitors, there are some differences. And the main difference here is that antidepressants, especially SSRIs, are actually increased because of their effects on 2D6 inhibition. So that SSRIs are increased, whereas protease inhibitors tend to reduce this so that's where it's a little bit different, and also they can increase beta blockers, especially metoprolol, carvedilol, and timolol, which are which are 2D6 um, uh, metabolism. So think about that uh, when you go through these drugs. The other interactions with uh, L-vitegravir and cobacystat are very similar to all the other protease inhibitors, including the asthma drugs, salmeterol, fluticasone, cochicine, etc. Very similar to protease inhibitors. So we're going to say that his provider started him on an efavirenz-based regimen, but because of the prolonged depression, he decided to change him to repervirine-based tenofovir, and m So when you're doing this change and with the same medications, which of the followings which should be anticipated when changing to reprovirine-based regimen? And one of the tricks here is recall that reperverine is a 3A4 substrate. So based on that, think about which of the following might be anticipated. Okay, you guys did great. Even though I gave you that little piece of tidbit, which probably doesn't have anything to do with the answer two, you can find that um, most of those are not affected. All the other distractors, because it's a 3, 3A4 substrate, and does not have any inhibition or inducing properties. So this is a major contraindication. Repriverine, like atazanavir, <clears throat> is affected by gastric pH. And so it's definitely contraindicated with protein pump inhibitors. And on the next slide I'll show you that you can give it with H2 blockers and and acids if you separate it. Because riprivirine is a 3A4 substrate, all the typical classic 3A4 inducers such as St. John's wort, anticonvulsants, antimicrobacterials. And dexamethasone, more than one dose, are classic 3A4 inducers, and so we would not want to give reperverine with these agents. And here you can see that if you separate the antacid and the H2 blockers by at least, uh, I would say, four hours after repriverine for antacids, and 12 hours apart for H2 blockers, the interaction is really mitigated. And fortunately, unlike Efavirins. repervirine because of its 3A4 substrate and no, with uh, induction properties, there is no methadone withdrawal noted with repervirine So one of the questions that often comes up is when we're changing from efoverance to a repervirine based regimen, are we worried about the induction that we might see with efavirine? In other words, will that lower reperverine levels? And actually, we have some PK data. And what you can see here is that on day one, this is the reperverine alone. And on day one, this is reperverine after uh, efavirenz uh, therapy. And you can see that the levels are really significantly lower. And in this PK experiment, they found that efavirenz reduced the effective reperverine levels by about 46%. But if you follow this out, by day 14 and day uh, 21, and at one month out, there was no difference in reperverine levels after change from efavirenz. Meaning that even though this is only a PK study, it was not considered clinically significant in that the levels at two weeks out. And that would be a time where we wouldn't worry so much about resistance were the same for a repriverine after ifoverence. So we feel comfortable that you can make that switch, and most clinicians do make that switch. So I'm going to move on to an, the, our next case, which is a little bit more complicated, who is a male uh, with HIV infection who is very treatment experienced who has a CD4 count of 65 and a HIV RNA level that's in the very high range, 85,000. He has a very extensive history of antiretroviral therapy and failed uh, the raltegravir, truvada, and abacavir daily regimen with an M184 mutation. These are his mutations, uh, both for RT and PIs there. And based on this regimen uh, on the um, resistance test, his provider decided he's going to get a rotonavir boosted protease inhibitor regimen plus etravirine plus uh, tenofovir mtricitabine. You can see his medication history there. He's got some insomnia on trazodone 100 milligrams a day. He's got AFib with Dilt and rivaroxaban. He's got terazosin for BPH. He's got some GERD and he's got untreated hep C. Stage 2 fibrosis with uh, genotype 1A with uh, ILB28CT. Uh, so which of these would be the most appropriate uh, to administer with etravirine? And this is a question that comes up all the time in, in clinical practice. <clears throat> All right. I guess I don't have to go over this question. <laughs> you guys did great. Okay. So the answer is uh, Darunavir. Uh, some of you picked Atazanavir, which I think is very interesting. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. So I think most of you picked Darunavir because in the Duet trial. We found that even though uh, etrovirine levels were significantly reduced, we found virologic, good virologic outcomes. And so we feel comfortable with using that drug. And so etrovirine also is a very complex drug. It is an inducer as well as an inhibitor. And I'm just gonna, for the sake of time, since most of you got that, uh, we would not use etrovirine with a number of protease inhibitors that are identified here. The only thing that I want to point out is, if you look at, <coughs> sorry, at atazanavir here, um, in, U- in the European literature, it says that based on new drug interaction data in HIV-positive individuals, uh, etravirine and atazanavir can actually be dosed together without problems, and they do that in Europe. Although in uh, the United States, atazanavir and etravirine are considered contraindicated. The way I remember this is I use the salad, the salat uh, uh, nomogram here or uh, wording. So if you think about salote, which is like salad, I think sequinavir, uh, lopinivir, and darunivir has been the ones that I can always feel comfortable giving etravirine with in terms of boosted protease inhibitors. So I won't go through all the PK. You can see that because you guys did so well. So this is a little bit more complicated. I put atazanavir or darunavir added here, um, and which of the following is most appropriate if you've got tenofovir, emtricitabine, etravirine, and either uh, boosted atazanavir or darunavir? Could you please key in your responses here? Okay, you guys did great. Um, so we're going to be thinking about a couple of interactions here. Like I said, etravirine has complex induction properties and atazanavir or darunavir has inhibition properties. So the first one, some of you uh, picked roxavan to clopidril. I can't speak, sorry. Um, clopididril. And clopididril is a, a drug that requires 2C9 activation to its, to its active moiety for clopidogrel to be um, useful. So in somebody who's taking etrovirine, actually that blocks the conversion of clopidogrel to its active moiety, and so it would not be very effective in this patient. So we definitely don't want to change to, clopidid- to um uh clopidogrel because of the etrovirine drug interaction. Now just very recently the FDA put out uh alert regarding rivaroxaban, vir- 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 <laughs> it's a mouthful, which is a 3A4 substrate and when you give protease inhibitors with rivaroxaban vir- 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 the levels of rivaroxaban increased somewhere in the range of 150% AUC, and there's an increased risk of bleeding, and therefore, this, at this point, is a contraindication for using rivaroxaban with any of our protease inhibitors, and this is a recent change. Clopidogrel we would not use because of the etravirine interaction, so probably the best choice, if you needed to change in this case, would be pazodril. Which is another antiplatelet drug. Warfarin also has interactions, and I'll show you this. But I would agree that diltiazem levels uh, could go up significantly if using with atazanavir. We ask that you block, you reduce the diltiazem levels 50%, and we would expect increased levels with also darunavir. Trazodone dose, nobody really picked, but that's good because trazodone is a 3A4 substrate. And we know that trazodone levels increase significantly with ritonavir in the range of 200%. And one of the patients that I was seeing actually was on um, 100 milligrams of trazodone and had a protease inhibitor. Add it and it became very drowsy and hypotensive and so the recommendation is really to reduce the trazodone level down to 25 milligrams a day before adding your protease inhibitor. Uh, the fomotidine, he's on 20 milligrams twice a day and that is the minimal effective dose if somebody was on boosted adazanavir that would be okay for treatment experienced patients. So we don't really need to change that but we would want to separate the famotidine from the atazanavir by at least 12 hours. And nobody picked terazosin or tamulosin because these are 3A4 substrates and levels would increase significantly with inhibition and can cause hypotension. And um, so you guys did very well. Okay, and I'm just gonna show you the next couple slides where I've highlighted sort of in yellow the interactions that we've talked about in this case. Um, and one last question for you. Now we're thinking about treating his hepatitis C, and they're going to start a tilapavir regimen. So, what changes, if any, would you recommend for this patient? <clears throat> Okay, excellent. You guys did great. So, you could do uh, uh, changing darunavir to adazanavir, adazanavir, which can be used with tilapavir, whereas darunavir cannot. And I'll show you some data. Um, we could consider changing etravirine to raltegavir. But that does not relieve the problem with uh, getting rid of the protease inhibitor or changing the protease inhibitor. So even though you can do that, you would still have to deal with the uh, darunavir if that was on, if you had them on Atazanavir, and that would be okay. So um, in the interest of time, I'm just going to show you some of the data for drug interactions. Recall that Tilapavir is also a 3A4 substrate and is also an inhibitor of 3A4. And therefore when we put um, antiretrovirals with telapivir, we have to think of a bidirectional interaction where the tilapavir levels can be reduced by the antiretroviral therapy and vice versa. And here I've outlined for you that with antiretrovirals atazanavir boosted, the change in telaprevir levels are considered non-significant, and this can be uh, used. And also, if we tend to use it with efavirenz, it needs to be dose-adjusted to 11.25 milligrams q8 hours of telaprevir to overcome the interactions with efavirenz. And there is new PK data that shows that etravirine and repervirine can be used with telaprevir without uh, significant changes in their AUC or Cmin, and vice versa. What is the effects of telaprevir on antiretrovirals? We see that the atazanavir levels, the min is increased 85%. We don't think that that right now is a significant uh, consideration, although there might be more hyperbilirubinemia, and we see that there's really um, no significant changes with efavirenz and etravirine. Uh, if the favorance at ad- dosed at 11, I'm sorry, the talapavir is dosed at 11.25 Q8 hours. And with reperverine there are increases in levels based on PK. And at this point, it is considered um, insignificant, although it causes me some pause for concern. And here is a summary of what you can use with the hepatitis C protease inhibitors. So with talapavir, we can combine adazatavir-boosted, rub- brautegaver, uh rupervirine, etravirine. We have no data with maraviroc although based on its interaction profile it's probably okay. And with dolutegavir, we don't have any interaction data but I would suspect that would be okay also with telaprevir. The data with bosefovir is much more complicated. The only antiretrovirals one can use with bosefovir are rupervirine, etravirine, rotegavir and uh, we don't have data with dolutegavir or Maravarok. So unfortunately I wish I could make it easier for you and tell you that you don't have to worry about drugs, but as uh, Amy alluded to, the number of drug interactions is just overwhelming and there is no likelihood that everybody would be expected to know this. And so one of the things that um, would be helpful Can you move that slide? It seems to be stuck. (laughs) Anyway, so this is the list of drug interactions. What I would recommend in terms of looking at drug interactions is get a complete medication history. uh, Try to determine the metabolism of the drug that you're adding trying to see if it's a 3A4, 2D6, 2C9, et cetera. And then look up in some of the drug interaction databases here that I've outlined, which are, I think, great resources for a clinician. One of my favorites is the Liverpool uh, Drug Interaction Database, uh, which is updated very recently and very frequently and gives you potential interactions for a lot of the drugs for HIV, and it gives you some significance. The other uh, drug interaction site is very nice, it's the Toronto Immunodeficiency Clinic. And they put out some great tables, I think would be very useful. There's also HIV Insight and the Department of Health and Human Resources. I think the major point, or major take home point, is if you're adding or subtracting any agents from your patient on ART. You gotta think about drug interaction. And that brings up one case that we saw in clinic where a patient came to one of the providers on rotegivir-based regimen and was taking very high doses of an SSRI. And he had it to be he had to be changed to a rotonavir boosted regimen because he wasn't doing well in the rotegavir. And what happened was that his anxiety and depression just skyrocketed. And what was likely happening is that the sertraline and bupropion levels were significantly reduced when he changed from rotegavir to a rotonavir-boosted protease inhibitor. So it just brings home the message that you have to think about interactions when you're adding or subtracting drugs. And this is the HIV-drug interaction. So if you could please answer this last question. And hopefully I don't get a glazed-over effect. You guys are... All right, thank you so much for your attention. I'll be happy to answer any questions. So yeah, very clinically important question. It says, when switching from efavirenz, which is a uh, 3A4 and 2B6 inducer, I put that in, uh, switching to another regimen, how much concern do you have given efavirenz long half-life? And uh, probably there is some concern, but probably the best example of this is the reperverine uh, efavirenz switch, because in that study, efavirenz half-life, or levels were apparent for about three weeks after the switch. So maybe what they're asking is, do you give a tail? And you you can consider giving an NRTI tail, but I wouldn't give uh, I wouldn't overlap the effavorins or continue that because you're going to have ongoing interactions. Uh, we don't. So with we when we switch to protease inhibitors, because the protease inhibitor levels are are. Uh, usually higher than above its uh, lowest effective level, we don't think too much about um, that potential drug interaction. So in other words, we don't always uh, worry about this. I don't know if I'm answering this very well, but I wouldn't give a tale, um, we have talked about in the old days, of giving a tail of NRTIs to overcome the NRTI, inter- NRTI interaction.
0: Okay, we have a question. Um, with regards to crystal um, crystal meth, if an individual were on crystal meth, what sort of drug-drug interactions would you be concerned
1: about? Okay, so uh, the data for drug interactions with some of the drugs of abuse really come from case reports that were uh, published when Rotonavir first came out. There is some concern about crystal metamphetamine in that the levels of the crystal met may be um, But that's not been very well substantiated. And I'm almost afraid to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that if you have a patient that's taking metamphetamine, um, I would not be opposed to giving that person antiretroviral therapy. Because we much rather have them take the antiretroviral therapy and not worry about the, uh, the amphetamine. So I have one patient who, does take crystal met, and, I, and he says, oh, am I worried about you know the interactions with crystal met? And I go, take your antiretroviral therapy. That's much more important. And if you find that you're getting a better effect from the crystal met, you can actually decrease that dose. But the most important thing is, right, you can save some money. But the most important thing is you want to take that antiretroviral therapy. You don't want to minimize that because that's the most important thing. To tag on to that, um, many patients who drink alcohol sometimes report that they stop taking their antiretrovirals because they're worried about interactions with alcohol. Uh, and I suspect the message is the same. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of taking their antiretrovirals. <laughs> we'll deal with all the other issues later. And I'd rather have them take it rather than not take it.
0: We have uh, a question with regards to uh, street build uh, the co combination. Um, do you have any thoughts or experience with regards to its interactions with darunavir, uh, especially in treatment experience individuals?
1: Oh, okay. Um, so, the interaction, so, first of all, the company, as far as I know, is planning on putting Cobasistac with darunavir. That is a formulation that is currently under investigation. Um, I'm trying to remember, there is some PK interaction data and There are some decreased levels of darunavir from the cobacistat, but it depends on whether you're dosing it once or twice a day. So, in the treatment experience patient where you're dosing it twice a day, I don't think you have to worry about as much. I think the, and I'll have to go back and review this, but I think the PK data with darunavir and cobacistat was a concern when you were dosing darunavir once a day. But they are in the process of putting together that co formulation. So, I'm not. I'm not going to be too concerned about that. But right now the recommendation is not to use them together.
0: Well thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Betty Dong.